And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good day. And Dr. Hans Vogt, Associate Professor at Ulster County Community College. Hello. On this program, within the milieu of history, theology, and current events, we attempt to explore a variety of questions of interest that's been brought to our attention. Today, we have a continuation of the theme of Reformation, today being Reformation Day. And uh, last week, we were talking about Dr. Martin Luther, and uh, there was so much to cover, we really didn't finish it all. And so I think we'll just jump right in, gentlemen, if you're ready, to uh, talk about Martin Luther a little bit more and some of the things that came out of the Reformation, some of the five solas, or so they're called. Well, when we last left our hero, Martin Luther, (laughs) uh, he was standing before uh, the imperial diet in Worms and uh, refused to recant uh, what he had taught, and so he was excommunicated by the Pope. He was declared an outlaw by the emperor, Uh, and He is protected, however, by his own prince, Frederick the Wise, uh, and several of the other German princes as well support Luther. And with their protection, he begins to, continues to teach and to write, uh, bringing in others like Philip Melanchthon, of course. Um, Eventually, in 1530, they develop what is known as the Augsburg Confession, which becomes sort of the classic statement of the Lutheran Reformation. Yeah, yeah, that was a, at the Diet of Augsburg in, in 1530, and it, it's, as Hans said, they get together there, and Charles V is there again. And there was a kind of a hope that they would be able to uh, discuss these things. Hmm. And it was a, quite an eye-opener for a number of the princes, because you have not only Charles V, but the princes there. And initially, uh, some of the leaders were in tack mode. Johannes Eck was there. And uh, oh, yes. the ruler said, no, 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 we, we want to hear what these guys have to say. Hmm. And uh, there's rumors as to, to what went on. And, and one of the rumors was that when they started talking about the confession that was put together, probably mostly by Philip Melanchthon. Remember, hmm. Luther was, was the exerge domine, was the, the bull that had kept him, you know, he was, he was a wanted man. So mm-hmm. he had to kind of stay away a little bit and lie low. Um, but they handed this confession out. And a number of them, you know, the, one of the stories was that the emperor exclaimed, would that such doctrine were preached through the whole world. Hmm. Well, he, he eventually didn't go with it. Some said that there was a very positive response. Mm-hmm. And uh, this horrific heresies that these Lutherans had held actually rang true to many of these men. Mm-hmm. And just perhaps a, a word of sympathy for Emperor Charles. Um, he is not only the Holy Roman Emperor, but ruler of Spain and the Netherlands, hmm. ruler of a vast empire in the New World now by this mm-hmm. point. Um, and he also has his hands full uh, holding off the Ottoman Turks who have yeah. conquered much of southeastern Europe, who have laid siege to the city of Vienna. Uh, many European Christians are terrified of what uh, these uh, Ottoman uh, Muslims are, sure. the threat that they are posing to Christianity. And so to, to many Europeans then, it seemed like the world they had known, the Europe, the Christendom they had known was falling apart. 
uh, it was a very scary time for them. Indeed. Yeah. Hans, you probably know, Charles V is a very interesting character because, you know, here he is, the Holy Roman Emperor. Eventually, you wonder what goes on with him. He abdicates. Right. He eventually abdicates and takes holy orders. Right. Hmm. That, very interesting, you know. Wow. Uh, most of the people at, at that time, when they had power, they hung on to it with the, all their might. And uh, Charles V apparently was not that way. Now, but, when was the time when um, Martin Luther, uh, he's traveling and uh, his trip is intercepted, and I believe he's taken to a castle? Yeah, this is right after the Diet of Arms. He's heading home. Okay. And he is captured on the <laughs> way by... Uh, was it Frederick the Wise or was John Frederick his son? I think it was Frederick the Third. I think the son. It's the son. John Frederick took him to Wartburg uh-huh. Castle, uh-huh. and he became Junkers George. <laughs> well, Junkers means he's a knight, okay. and that's the name he, he did. And it was during that time that he translated the New Testament. Oh. In 1521, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sold 5,000 copies in two months. Man. Which is impressive when you realize that only about one out of every three people could even yeah. read. And yeah. he had no internet. Right. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He was, uh, you know, people just saw him on Facebook and said, hey, I've got to have one yeah. of those books he's yeah. writing. <laughs> it's just amazing, really, the uh, how rapid uh, communication is today as compared to back then. But we did note last week that uh, this was the time when the printing press was starting to make its rounds, and that certainly helped uh, get uh, writing out a lot quicker. And these ideas are spreading. You have uh, not only Luther's ideas itself being taken to Scandinavia, to Sweden, and to Denmark, Mm -hmm. but then you have other reformers begin to come along. Uh, In Switzerland, you have, of course, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli. Uh, You have the Anabaptists who uh, come along Mm -hmm. and begin to take it in another direction entirely. Uh, and then, of course, the events in England will wind up creating a Protestant church for an entirely different set of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. England's very different, but but you do have uh, some very key characters there, uh, Thomas Cranmer, Thomas Cromwell, and, uh, of course, William Tyndall, mm-hmm. um, which we will get to eventually because we need to, when we start looking at all these, these, these reformers, some of the things rang true with all of them, even though there was some division between, uh, say, a Calvin and a Luther. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some division. Uh, they they all adhered to things that we call the solas. Ah, yes. The solas, you know. And uh, the sola means alone in, in Latin. Well, maybe what we'll do is uh, take a short break here, and when we come back, uh, discuss a couple of those solas. Maybe you could list them out for us and uh, talk about one or two of them. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today is Reformation Day. Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking about Martin Luther. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. 
Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Well, gentlemen, before our break, we were talking about Martin Luther, and we had just started to talk about a little bit the five solas. And, uh, Mark, what are those solas? Well, we can start off the first sola, sola Christos, Christ alone, sola fides, faith alone, sola gratia, by grace alone, sola scriptura, and that's uh, scripture alone, and uh, soli deo glorias, to God alone be the glory. Hmm, those are the five. All right. Yeah. Well, which one do you want to talk about right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sola Christos, sola fides, and sola gratia really all are all together. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what is that saying? It is saying that there's only one reason we're saved, and it's by Christ alone. It's not Christ plus me. It's not mm-hmm. Christ. And see, this was the key, because the church yeah. was talking. The church talked about grace. The church talked about faith. The church talked about Christ. Mm-hmm. But what the Reformers were saying, it's Christ alone. It's faith alone. It's grace alone mm-hmm. which saves us. And that the church would not go with yeah. at that time. That's right. When you look at the response of the Catholic Church to the Reformation, certainly there was recognition among many in the church that, you know, we do have problems here and we need to clean them up. There were some, in fact, who agreed with the Protestant reformers. Um, in fact, there's a meeting in 1541 at Regensburg where some of the Catholic leaders, including Cardinal Contarini, reached agreement with the Protestants on justification by faith alone, on sola fide. Mm -hmm. The problem was that hardliners within the church, Mm -hmm. led by Cardinal Carafa, rejected that. Uh, And then when Carafa goes on to become Pope, Pope Paul IV, uh, the Catholic Church calls the Council of Trent and then ultimately rejects Mm -hmm. all the Protestant positions and reaffirms all the Catholic positions. And so an opportunity to avoid schism uh, is lost, unfortunately. How I wish that uh, a meeting of the minds could have been had. You know, I I love the Reformation. You know, I consider myself a Reformation Christian, as do you gentlemen, but, uh, oh, what a terrible split has occurred. And it's uh, very sad indeed. Well, well, you, you see that, and that was the same attitude that Luther had in 
and you look at in 1517, he wasn't ready to start a new thing, and, and look how many years, and finally at Augsburg, and even after Augsburg, there was some, but Augsburg, 1530, you're 13 years beyond that. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to bring things together, and wasn't to be, mm-hmm. you know, but... Uh, Uh, Here it is, and and, and Luther really puts it out, because it's alone. Listen to Luther, some of this. He says, Mm -hmm. beware then of putting your trust in your own contrition. You know, it's great to be sorry for your sins, right? But he says, beware of putting your trust in your own contrition, and thus ascribing the forgiveness of sins to your own sorrow. Oh, yeah. God does not have respect for you because of that, but because of the faith by which you have believed his threatenings and promises. Mm Mm-hmm. And which wrought sorrow within you. Mm. So he's saying, you know, don't don't put your trust in anything you do. Trust yeah. in Jesus only. That's right. And when you talk about that it's Scripture alone, uh, this is another key point as well. Because, right. of course, the church said, well, yes, Scripture is the authority, and so is the teaching of the church. Yeah. Uh, as it has evolved over 1,500 years. And so, but uh, what Luther, of course, is saying is no, it's got to be Scripture alone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you allow uh, individuals to add to it and interpret it um, in their own way, Luther said, that would mean each man would go to hell in his own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the reason that is, it's so important is I think this is the natural part of the fall. If we look at in individuals, we want to earn our way to heaven. Yes. We want to obligate God. We want to be able to do something that's going to say, God, you owe me. Hmm. You know, and that sounds like a crass thing, but if we really think about it, it's very natural to slip into this kind of thing where we are trying to earn our way to heaven. And, yeah, and, and even it, innocently, someone who doesn't understand the Bible may may say, well, you know, as I stand before God, uh, I just hope that I've done enough good things such right. that he will save me. And that's the problem. How much enough is enough? You know, yes. that. I mean, that's the thing that Luther came up against. When I you believe. have a God who's infinitely holy, there's no amount of good works that I could... Uh, right. garner up uh, such that it would secure his forgiveness. Exactly. And I think Luther once uh, said, if a monk could be saved by his monkery, then I would be saved. Yeah, It never helped him. And the same with Paul. You notice when Paul is arguing these things in Galatians and in Romans, you know, he starts talking about this whole aspect of, you know, Look at who I am. I'm I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He does mention you know? that. Oh yeah, and he, he looks at all this and he says, "I count it as rubbish." Yeah, because it doesn't save. Yeah, what saves is Jesus Christ That's and right. His death on the cross and and His resurrection. Hmm. But here again, look at how easy it is to slip into works righteousness. I mean, Paul's whole treatise in Romans, second chapter of Romans. What is he talking about? He's talking about Jews who should know that they are saved by grace, because that's how they're saved in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. but yet have slipped into this whole thing that they're justified by the law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is still an issue today. Um, This is not just an issue for uh, uh, the 1500s. Um, You know, how many uh, times do we focus more on self-esteem uh, rather than uh, you know the building up people's self-esteem, rather than uh, 
the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, churches that uh, or teachers who talk about you know health and wealth, name it and claim it, as if God somehow owes you mm-hmm. uh, whatever yeah. you ask for. Right. Yeah. Um, I would argue um, sometimes we can get so focused on church growth. Uh, mm. that we turn the gospel into a marketable commodity and, mm. and people into consumers. Well, then you're kind of getting back to the whole idea of selling it's indulgences. True. In fact, I was Quite told that I was when I was a young student at Moody Bible Institute. I had a man, and I was selling Thompson Chain Reference Bibles. At that time, they could only be bought. You couldn't buy them in a bookstore. Oh, yeah. And I was trying to sell it to a man. He says, oh, you've got to sell this. He says, just like you're going to have to sell the gospel. Hmm. And I thought... Something's wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, really. So here we are. Protestant Reformation slowly starts to take form. Um, certainly uh, Luther has a large part in that, but he's not alone. Um, a number of concerns had uh, come into the minds of men of God even before Luther. Uh, Luther, certainly with his 95 Theses, uh, stirs the pot, didn't realize maybe how much he was stirring it. One thing develops into another. We've got the printing press. His ideas promulgate. And really, there's just simply an explanation of the ideas of Scripture, that it's justification by faith alone. Another thing that you'll come across as you read about Luther is this idea of the priesthood of all believers. Mark, what is meant by that? Well, the priesthood of all believers is the priest in the Old Testament was the Uh, mediator, if you will, in some sense between uh, God and the individual because he was the one Mm -hmm. who made the sacrifices and those things. And uh, uh, what uh, Luther is saying, you don't need a mediator. And, of course, the Catholic Church had stepped into that role as mediator. They were mediating everything. And Luther said, you don't need a mediator. Mm -hmm. You can come to God directly. And so you have this tremendous freedom with the gospel. Mm -hmm. What? Go ahead, Jim. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, are there any dangers now that has come along here with the Reformation emphasis? Now, again, I'm a Reformation Christian, but I'm thinking about people that say, I, I know one teacher today, well, it's just the Bible alone, its entirety is the Word of God, and then he starts coming to these very strange conclusions. That seems to me some of the dangers, perhaps, that could happen. Yeah, there's always dangers that can be distorted, but I think one of the big things that was always pointed out is if you say it's just by grace, then you're going to live like the devil. Or that, yeah. Yeah, kind of an antinomianism that's going to take over. But that's not, if you look at it... Doesn't work that way. What Luther was saying, those who adhere to the law, and and he, he saw this in Rome... They were the most legalistic system in Rome, and he says, Mm. and they were the most corrupt. They were the worst. And the Christian faith is relationship to uh, Creator God. And, you know, if we can make an analogy to even the human realm, uh, if you love your wife, you love your husband, you want to do something that's going to please that loved one. And even more so when it's God. When you love the God who created you, your covenant-keeping God, uh, who created you in his image, how much it is that you want to please him and not just simply do these works of right. righteousness to, to earn his the, favor. The more you receive grace, the more, as you say, the more you will, will love him. Mm. Luther said two propositions concerning the liberty and the bondage of the Spirit. He says a Christian man is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. Hmm. 
a Christian man is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Hmm. You see, he's yeah. totally free because of Jesus Christ, but his love for Jesus Christ makes him the servant of all. That's right. And and going back to that concern of, of a person going off the deep end and interpreting the Scripture, how important it is for us to stay in communion right. with fellow Christians right. and with those among us who have been recognized by the body of Christ as being elders and teachers within the body, where Christ tells us about the giftings that he gives to his body and that some are pastors, and how important it is to stay under their authority and yet not have this kind of authority that we saw back during the time of the Reformation that squelched people. Well, that's right. And what we're doing, what we've been doing the past couple of weeks, I think is important too, to look at the history of the church, because, you know, the reality is there really are no new heresies. Um, (laughs) And the church has dealt with these issues before and have wrestled with these problems before. And by studying uh, our brothers and sisters of past ages, like Luther and Calvin and so forth and Mm -hmm. others, um, that also, uh, the, the testimony of that, that faithful cloud of witnesses is also uh, going to mm-hmm. keep us on the right track. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Often when, when I'm preaching, I, I look at the commentaries on a, a certain passage to make sure that, that my understanding and interpretation isn't out of line, because if I have a really new interpretation, it's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Yes. Yes. You know, I, and, and I know others in the past have erred, and of course this gets in the whole area of sola scriptura, and I think we're going to talk about that more length later, but that yeah. that's so important. Sola scriptura is so important, but you've got to be open and, and recognize that there are times when we can misinterpret scriptures. That's right. So we need to be humble, right. teachable, in fellowship with God's people. I see we're getting close to the end of our session here today. You're tuned to a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting on this Reformation Day, a wonderful day in the life of the church. And in the studio with me is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts today? I think we need to reaffirm uh, these five solas today. Um, you know, startling research has been done by mm. James Hunter and, and George Barna and others about the actual beliefs of evangelical Christians in America. Um, and according to them, one third of them believe that God will save all good people when they die, whether or not mm. they've believed and right, trusted yeah. in Christ as their Savior. Yeah. Um, we need to get back to these central tenets of the Christian faith. Yeah. yeah, and it's so easy to get into this whole works righteousness. I was teaching this Lutheran Sunday school class years ago, and the example of that, and we asked the questions, if you were to stand before God today, and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Mm. And to every one of those students said, well, because I try to do the best I can. And, and it was a, a total works righteousness that mm. they were depending on. And I know they didn't get that taught in their catechism class. Nope. But it's something that's easy to fall into, and we need to come back, keep coming back, and recognize how sinful we are. None righteous, no, not one, none that seeks after God, and how righteous God is and how gracious he is to call on us. That's right. 
Well, I hear a cell phone going off in the background, and uh, that just shows us that uh, we've got uh, not the ideal studio here, but that's fine. (laughs) You know, in closing also, this reminds me uh, of a scripture verse, and it's simply this, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. My listening friend, if uh, you today feel a need in your soul for forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ, be assured of his love for you, that he is reaching out to you, and that you can stand before him righteous because of the imputation of Jesus Christ's righteousness to your account. In other words, his righteousness applied to your life allows you to stand before God sin-free and so that you can enter his good heaven. Well, I see we're out of time as the telephone also rings in the background. You've been listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. May God bless you as you serve him today.